On this episode of Mistake by the Take, the Browns training camp is underway at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. Talk about guys like Perrion Winfrey being cut and the effect it has on the D-tackles, as well as Marquise Goodwin with some health concerns and what that means for the wide receivers. Go over the pressers from camp, as well as talk about Elijah Moore and the hype surrounding him before finally getting into this or that, going with more confidence in position groups. All that next on this episode of Mistake by the Take. Episode 22 of Mistake by the Take. I'm your host, Dylan Feldovich, alongside my co-host, Jake Volnick. And we got a good one today because we're finally talking about Browns football again. It's been a while. I've been itching for it. And thank God. Dude, football is finally back. Football is finally back. It, It never takes a break, but you know. For the common people, it's finally back. But before we get into that, obviously, we have to start out with the most important question. Jake, how are we feeling today? I don't. I'm actually. Uh, I'm pretty feeling pretty good. You know, most of the time I feel like when I come in here, I'm absolutely exhausted, which I just feel like I'm always absolutely exhausted. But uh, I passed out early last night. Uh, unintentionally, I just laid in bed and early for me, by the way, like one in the morning. Right. Um. But yeah, I, I passed out. I got a full night's rest, and now I'm wired. I am ready to talk Browns football. Because, again, we haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah, it's it's been a while. It's been a while, and I've I've missed it, you know? I haven't been able to, like, do much. There, there's nothing football. happening. That's, nothing's happening. Like, and even now, we're getting amped up. It's training camp. There, there's going to be, like, a two- to three-week dead period where there's just literally nothing. Exactly. So I'm, I'm still a little... I don't know. I'm not like fully there yet. Oh, me either. Yeah. No, I mean, you got to curb your enthusiasm. Uh, obviously, yes. But, you know, at least we have a start. That's <laughs> that's really all that matters, you know? Uh, we say, but by the way, like preseason, August 3rd is the Hall of Fame game. Like, yep. In preseason, in my eyes, like, again, still curb the enthusiasm, calm down. It's still the preseason, you know, in terms of starters and what you're actually going to see on the field, like a drive, maybe two. But, you get to see live football in action, and you get to see, you know, storylines play out. Who's going to make the team? Who's going to be cut? You know, second-string guys, maybe a couple of first-string battles across the NFL. I think the Browns are more shirt up, kind of who's going to start, who's not. But it's not always the case. No, I agree. And that's the thing, like, with common fans, preseason is pretty hard to watch. Yeah, but aside again, from like those, for, like, first quarter is pretty interesting, right? Right. But for people like us that – love football and love sports in general and have way too much knowledge of a roster right like this is an intense time because you're just like oh my gosh like who is going to make the cut and who's going to be that guy that could just pop out of nowhere you know and so it'll be it'll be fun to see yeah by the time the fourth quarter rolls around i think the average person looks around and goes who and we're like oh yeah that's that kid out of uh you know some random D3 school or D2 that nobody's ever watched a single game of, and we're like, yeah, I've seen most of his tape. Yeah, former seventh-round pick in the 2015 draft, but... <laughs> yeah, dude, he ran a 4-3-5-40, like, put up 23 on bench. This kid's crazy. Yeah, and you just know <laughs> the absurd stats about him, just like, what is wrong with this Yeah, he this went for kid? 1,100 yards in his junior year of college. I mean, you just gotta... <laughs> right. 
But we got a lot to do dis- there, because there's a lot of news now. So we're going to just hop right into it. But obviously, we're going to start off with a pretty fun, pretty fun segment that Jake did uh, come up with hot off the press and that you guys all know for sure. But yeah, I mean, there's been a decent amount of stuff going on in the league. Like, not even in the league, but just like in the leagues. In the leagues and just today, too. That's the that's thing. News is always popping, and like I have to pay attention to the news for my job, and it always seems the days that I work are the deadest news days of all time, and then the days I have off, aka especially Tuesdays, the news goes crazy. It's crazy. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, I would love to be working right now. I would have a flurry of information to talk about, but instead, like yesterday, I'm talking about guys whose names I can't even pronounce being suspended from the NFL who might not even have seen a snap for all I know. Right. So... Iomo Wazurike, by the way. I have that down. I will never forget it. And you probably won't see him in the NFL again. So, Jake, now that Jake has gotten that off his chest. Yeah, quick rant. We'll get into uh, hot off the press. We're going to start with Shane Bieber. This is no bueno for the guards and Shane Bieber. He just got moved to the 60-day IL, which basically means his trade value is gone. Uh, yeah, I don't see anybody trading for a guy who isn't going to be available until at the very earliest September, September 10th. 10th. Shout out to my sister's birthday. But, hey, whoa, shout out. Yeah, there, I know, right? I saw that and I was like, oh, cool. That's kind of wild. But uh, it, yeah, we're not going to get much into it because that's probably going to be a main topic in Thursday's episode. Well, when Friday's we record it. Yeah, Thursday's Friday's recording. Yes. Yeah. We, I always mix that up. But yeah, not good. And we just at least wanted to mention it here. So then we're going to move on more into the basketball world now. Bronny James went into cardiac arrest today. Did you see that? Was there a video out of it? No, but okay, it was just, just the news, crazy. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I mean, if anybody doesn't know at this point, one, you're either young listening to this and or not probably as informed on medical issues as you should be, but cardiac arrest, your heart quite literally stops. And yeah, he was at a workout at USC just you know putting up shots and stuff and he collapsed i just it kind of blew my mind today i i literally just looked at my phone and i was working and all of a sudden i was just like oh my gosh yeah like that was news that again that's just something you don't predict you can't like be ready for to happen especially when it's coming to guys so young right like he's going into his freshman year of college and a potentially like you know well-touted nba draft prospect in coming years like this is a guy who not even for his basketball talents. I mean, he's LeBron James's kid. Right. Like, the spotlight is on him for that to happen is, I mean, just why It's absurd. And luckily, I did see the report that he is out of the ICU, which is very good news, I believe. I'm, yeah, yeah. They, he's out of the ICU. They said he's in stable condition. He's going to be okay. but Just and, a freak accident. So And prayer, it's going to be a, a cautious road going back. Right. Uh, prayers up to him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we always, of course, wish for the best health of everybody and anyone Athletes, especially as this is a sports podcast, you know, you never wish for an injury, especially something that serious. So he's definitely going to be in our thoughts, and we hope he recovers and is able to return to full form. Yep. And then wrapping up the basketball talk, Jalen Brown signs a five-year, $304 million Supermax deal. <laughs> Bro, what are the Celtics doing? That That's the highest value contract, right? Or, yeah, it's the yeah. richest deal in richest NBA deal. Yeah. history. Which I, I've seen so much on Twitter today about 
man, that's crazy that this dude is getting so much money and he doesn't know how to dribble a basketball. Dude, uh, I got a great text today that was just, uh, it's crazy that the richest guy in the NBA can't dribble with his left. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it at all. I don't like it being that long. I, I'm a little worried now about what's this going to be? Like, what's their direction moving forward? I don't know. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what this deal is. Like, like Tatum. You still have Tatum. Yeah. Like, what, you what's, just went and got Chris Tops, but Yeah, but, like, what's going to happen with Tatum? I, it's a good thing the kid's just 19. <laughs> <laughs> we've been saying that for the longest time, man. Yeah, we've been saying it for the last, like, seven years. Right. Um, but, no, I don't know. It's, like, I don't think Jalen Brown's a bad player. No, by all means, I don't think he's a bad player either. Well, I just don't think he's worth $304 million. I don't a think he should be max deal. Yeah, like, the richest player in NBA history. Makes no sense in my mind. And obviously that's going to change with every deal that comes and, up. He's yes. going to be the richest guy in NBA It's just the way that it works with CBAs Inflation, and like yeah. yeah. But I don't know, man. I, I would not be paying Jalen Brown that much money. I think it's only going to hurt the Celtics down the line. Yeah, again, there were they were a team that's been known for being – like ahead of the curve and just like a plan moving forward and now it just seems like they do not have any sort of plan whatsoever it's kind of ridiculous uh pretty hard to pay multiple guys max contracts and be successful yeah so unless you're wanting to move off jason tatum in the near future which potentially could happen i've seen rumors of that it'd be a crazy move in my eyes it would be but i i'm i wouldn't be surprised if they did to pick brown over tatum yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't. It, there's not much logic in that, if that ever ever would happen. Moving on to football, though, Jim Harbaugh. Here we go. There's a little, little uh, excitement for OSU fans. Jim Harbaugh expected to receive a four-game suspension for some recruiting violations. I've been seeing this stuff, and from what, if it's what I think it is, isn't it about like he got some kid a mug or something like that? It, it was like something weird. I literally, I, I haven't seen like the actual in-depth things of what happened, but th- this is like, it, it's important news because obviously as an Ohio State fan, the Michigan head coach is being suspended for four games, but it's also the least interesting news of all time to me. Like, well, because it's, they also have a cupcake first four games. Exactly. So it's as soon as... Like it's like Rutgers, UNLV... Uh, yeah, I think it's UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, and the first game is uh, East Carolina. Oh, so oh, man, you know, I, I, I just don't. I think in those cases, it's just the league saying like, oh, hey, we did this. But in reality, it's like the NCAA, I should say. Sorry, not the league. Yeah, as soon as it could possibly affect the NCAA's money, a.k.a. Michigan losing and being out of the running earlier and less people watching their games, the NCAA is like, whoa, four games. That sounds pretty good, man. Can't right. suspended for, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana. That would be a tough stretch. So we'll just get them out of the way, you know, before they start real Big Ten play because, let's be honest, Rutgers. Rutgers is Rutgers, yes. Yeah. And then also, too, it's kind of good news for the Big Ten because if Michigan became irrelevant at some point, it would really hurt the Big Ten. Because they're lucky that they got Penn State this year to help them out. But in past years, I mean, it's really been just OSU and Michigan carrying the conference. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, you had UCLA, USC upcoming here in the Right now, years, for, I'm just saying for yeah, this season at right. least. 
this but, year it would be tough. Yes, it would be very tough. It would if, be OSU Penn State practically. Which is, at this point, it would be OSU, be OSU over them. Probably, yeah. I, I hope. I'm still go- I'm going to that game, so. Penn State's still, still always a good game. They're not bad. Oh, no, no, no. It always is a fun game. I like, my freshman year, the. It was technically two years ago then. Yeah, they're they're worth watching. Like, oh yeah, that that game's still usually interesting. It's close. They're usually ranked in the top twenty-five. Like, they, they carry their own weight. It's just not what OSU Michigan's been in the last couple of years. It's also, too, it's going to be fun seeing Drew Howard play as well. Yeah. So now getting more into NFL talk, Naheem Hines got hit by a jet ski, and he get the, he injured his knee. I don't know if it's. A torn ACL confirmed? Yeah, I saw ACL injury. That there was an injury. That's all I know. But I it requires season-ending surgery, which was crazy. I did not expect that. Uh, the guy a week before training camp, which by the way, I have zero issue with this. I don't. I've heard people kind of voice their concerns. Um, I don't think this is an injury possibility that anybody should be mad at at all. But Naheem Hines is out on a jet ski a week before training camp starts. Is literally sitting still on a jet ski. He's idle. And he gets hit by another jet skier and gets injured. Like, a jet skiing should not be something where we're like, oh my God, a guy could get seriously hurt. Sure, he could. Basically, as much as he could get hurt driving a car. You're going to tell a guy he can't drive before training camp either? Right. When I saw people on Twitter going at him for it before they knew that he got hit by another jet ski, and then all of a sudden, people are just like, oh, go quiet. It's just like... All right, let's wait till everything gets out because everyone's like, "Oh, you know, jet ski action. He shouldn't be doing that." And well, I mean, he kind of—it was a freak accident, so it's not really his fault there. It is, but it yeah. isn't. No, no. In their slightest defense, if I heard, you know, player gets hurt on a jet ski, my initial thought is that uh, they're rocking like Jordan Addison trying to get to his dog emergency, and uh, you know, rocking 140 in a 55. Yeah, you you buying that? I don't know, man. I, I hate to say, like, I'm a pet lover. I've always had pets, like, all my life. And I would absolutely be pedal to the metal to get to my dog if it was a serious emergency. So I'd hate to say that it was fake. 140 is still pretty fast. 140 is 140, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's in a Lambo, though. Like At yeah, 3 a.m. My, my Honda Accord can't get to a, to 140 there. So Yeah, my Ford my Ford Fusion ain't doing that either. I, I would probably be rocking at 100 to get to my dog. I would That's be probably, probably about as fast as I could get, like yeah. 100, 110, something like that. But That's fair. He's in a Lambo. Like, yeah. I think either way, somebody's pedal to the metal. So if it's true... Then I'm all with it, but like, it just seems like an odd scenario. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we didn't want to even. I didn't even think about including that in hot off the press. But no, because it's not news. It's not relevant. It's like it's possible news, right? Right. But you know what is news? What is? Saquon Barkley signs a one-year deal with the New York Giants for eleven million dollars and a bonus of two million dollars. I ooh man, this running back thing is getting weird. I hate this. I, I don't know. What I, to I hate it for well, in terms of the team and the ability to sign Nick Chubb, I love it because I, I think Saquon just put running backs in a bad position. A one-year deal is exactly what you were trying to avoid. This is basically the franchise tag, just a little more money, right? Like he's getting paid, but the problem is guys getting paid on short-term deals too. Running backs are a year-to-year commodity, and as soon as you're hurt, you're useless. Guys can't earn up money. And there, there's a little debate going on between you know owners and running backs, and who's right on that, I don't know. Sure, he gets paid, but he gets paid for one year. I'm on the fence about it. I don't know really what to think about it. 
It's tough. It, it is. I've been... I, today, my drive up was debating what should happen for running backs and getting paid. And I just really... I mean, at this point, maybe think about... I don't even know. I don't know. I don't... It's going to be something that the NFL is going to have to figure out. Because I do agree that, like, they should be paid for what they're compensated. Like, they, they do throw their bodies on the line, but at the same time, it's pretty easy to replace them. That's my issue. Yeah, and, like, these guys, I, we've talked about the carry mark, the age mark. Like, they just don't have the same level of consistency. I've seen some interesting things thrown around, possibly letting running backs only play one year in college and then going to the NFL. It's an option. Um, possibly not a, having a franchise tag for running backs. Not even having that be a possibility. Um, making rookie contracts restructured for running backs specifically so their deals on rookie deals are just shorter. So they get that second, third contract much quicker. That's what I was thinking probably is now you might just want to change it to contracts after you're drafted are based on position which then gets sketchy because of positional value. So either way, though, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that one's going to pan out if running backs do unionize at some point, which Dude, would be oh crazy. That, we can't have unionized, unionized position groups. This would That'd be, be hilarious, it actually. It would be awful. It would be awful, but it would be funny as an outsider. Yeah, no, I mean, but as a football fan, you know, when the running backs go on strike, you're not going to be laughing so hard. Right, because, well, actually, they'll be easily replaceable, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, when the quarterbacks go on strike, then we're going to have a real issue, screwed. huh? screwed, yeah. So that's going to end hot off the press, but that won't end all the football talk for us. But before we get into the Browns talk, do you have something to say? Oh, I was just going to ask if uh, our good friend Lisa, if she was willing to uh, put that fire out for us. Great. I will never get the game back. No. Yeah, we will. Don't say it. Too bad. He said it. I always will. Because the game's always coming back. I'll say it every day until one day it's not. And one day it will not. If you really think about it, Jake. <laughs> wow. That's really got deep talk right Real there. deep, real fast. Way to just, you know, talk about the end of the podcast on episode 22. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, Browns... It's good to be back. We already talked about that. Hoorah. It's going to be... There's there's a couple of headlines that we need to discuss. This is more of a general update, I would say. Not really... It's it, it, Because training camp hasn't like fully opened up to everyone yet. Yeah, it's not as accessible to the media. But, I mean, we are now, what, three, four... This is the fourth day of training camp at the Greenbrier, so... At the Greenbrier, baby, that's the thing. That that's re, that's a reason why I wanted to first go into that. So the Greenbrier, obviously West Virginia, it's a resort out there. They got there on Saturday the twenty second. It feels a little weird because they didn't do this in years prior, have they? Uh, they specifically have not. No, there have been other teams that have gone here specifically and to other locations. But the Browns in most recent years have stayed in Berea for their entire training camp. Which is, it, it kind of throws in a weird, like, I I don't know. 
it just it, it was just a little weird to me. I don't know. It kind of threw me off for a second because I mean, at first I didn't I didn't know that they were going to Greenbrier. I thought they were just you know usual Berea. Gotta see text my buddy to see if I can get tickets kind of thing. But which the, by the way, I think at this point are all sold out. Right. For those so I mean, days. it's just yeah, throw it out the window at that point. But then I like look and I see like mountains in the background. I'm like, where the hell are they? Yeah, I, I can't remember what coach it was. I think it was our linebackers coach, which you go to positional groups, throw me out the window. I don't know all the guys. Sorry to break it to you. But uh, there was a video the Browns put out, and he was the very start of it. He's sit- <laughs> sitting there, and he's running around, and he's like, oh, my God, so many trees. I've never seen so many trees. Right. <laughs> West Virginia, baby. Got to love it. So I know it feels weird for like a fan to kind of see that and not be in Berea for the whole time. But I don't really care about the fans right now. I want to talk more about like the team chemistry. Like, is this one of those things that is going to help out the team, you think, and kind of the bonding sense? Because there's a lot of new pieces to this team, coaching and players. I think this is without a doubt helping your team chemistry. You're taking a full week where the public is not allowed to be there, right? Like, this is a closed-off training camp. So these guys are spending, I don't want to say every waking moment together, but pretty close. I mean, they're basically on vacation while at work, like a little workcation. And they're all spending the time together. You know, I'm sure some of the nights, the younger guys, they go out together alone, go out and get dinner, stuff like that. Like, stories are going to be exchanged. Guys are spending more time. It's a change of scenery, especially for the veterans, like, Normally, you're used to just going through the motions at Berea, which, by the way, is talked about to be kind of like a, I don't want to call it like a crap facility, but it's definitely falling behind the times. They've been talking about updating it. Like, it's a change in scenery. Like, any time that happens, it's refreshing. It puts good vibes in the air. Like, if we were to go and do a remote broadcast. It would change it up a little bit. It would feel good. Yeah, yeah, we'd be excited to be recording it somewhere else, right? Just for the one experience or two experiences. Like, it'd be fun. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off really quick here. Trayvon Diggs just reached an agreement on a five-year, $97 million contract extension. Okay, then. I mean, he's a CB2, but it's okay. Anywho. Wow. So, I mean, overrated, I would accept. CB2. Whew. Anyways, I, I didn't mean to get off track Behind there. who, by the way? Stephon Gilmore that's like 37? No, I'm just saying they need to get a CB1. I've been saying that for the longest time. I'm not saying Stephon Gilmore is a CB1, but I'm just saying that Trayvon Diggs isn't a CB1 because he's a ball hawk, and I don't think most CB1s are ball hawks because I think that you need to have just a shutdown guy to be your one. But that's just my take. He's I don't want to... The Mike Williams of the secondary. Boomer bust. <laughs> Mike Williams. For Lockett. my fantasy team, that's why I never draft him. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, I agree, though, on the team chemistry aspect. Like, it, it, it's good to at least get the media kind of out of it. You don't have to deal with that anymore. You know, I'm, I'm saying that as I am part of the media, and so are you. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword at it, that point. It's not complete media out of it, too. Like, there's still people yeah, there there's still reporting people there. on it. It's just like the general public. Because, let's be honest, training camp a lot of these times is like, Sure, the guys are going to work and they're training, but it's also kind of for the fans in a way. Like, after a lot of the guys go out, they sign autographs, they interact with the fans. Like, it's an experience that brings the team a little money. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But 
overall, though, I think it's a good thing for the Browns. I since there again a lot of different pieces to this team, makes a lot of sense to go out there and try to just change something up for once. And I think also too, you're trying to change the image of the Browns in general. So I guess doing simple things like this kind of helps it a little bit. Also for a guy like Deshaun Watson, who kind of has all the spotlight on him sort of in his villain arc right now, uh, you know, it's probably good just to be able to decompress, go to work with your teammates, and not have everybody's eyes just dialed in on you. It makes it makes a lot easier for just that element, too. I think... It's going to be tough. Like, we've said it before, too. This is going to be an uphill battle that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his career. I I don't think this is going to go away at any time soon. No, absolutely not. So, trying to at least limit it as much as you can, it's going to help in the long run. So, scenarios like this, I think, is going to be good for the team. I don't think you get any worse from going out here. No, I agree. But you know what's not good for the team? Now I'm curious, what? Perion Winfrey is Uh-oh. now not a Cleveland Brown anymore. And I mentioned this, I, it was a one of the podcasts, I forget what episode it was, I said there was something out, like there was a, I think he got arrested or something like that, I don't know, there was some something happened. Yeah, it was in Hot Off the Press, he basically had, was accused of, you know, well, he's been in a few different things, right? He had the domestic violence, I think, down in Texas or whatever he was at. Right. And then he had the bar scenario where he was held at gunpoint or whatever with Greg Newsom the day before they were at camp. And then the most recent one surfaced where it's him, you know, flashing a gun, basically like, I'm not afraid to hit you. And the girl was recording right outside of the nine. like. And she also accused him of assault as well, too. It's – guess what? This might be a football-centered – podcast this episode but there's a, a rule in sports specifically baseball and that's a three strikes you're out well Perry on there's one two three and if you consider the fact that he had you know issues off the field concerns coming in it's probably four there was there's no excuse for off field matters like this like I'm I'm sorry I'm getting pretty sick and tired of just like seeing all this stuff all the time well clearly so are the Browns right it's it's just and it seems like there's a especially too with a team like the Browns and they already have to deal with issues from the Deshaun Watson deal I mean this just piles on to it and it does not make matters better it <laughs> makes it so much worse which by the way Deshaun you were getting you know a potential top three, top five quarterback. Perrion Winfrey has done nothing. There was, there was a lot of potential with him. That was the thing. That's why I was, I mean, everyone was hanging on to him for so long is because, like, this dude could have been really good. And then it just didn't pan out. Yeah, but I mean, just like, but in Deshaun's case, it's a what have you done that kind of buys you that extra slack? Well, for Deshaun, it was, you know, be a top tier quarterback in the NFL. So, Unfortunately, you know, your leash is longer in those scenarios. No, I, I agree. Where Perry on one year and it wasn't that great of a year, it, your leash is a little shorter. You can't be causing issues. Guys, are, teams are just going to send you off. I think first we need to talk about how this affects the team, though. Yeah. Was, was it true that they actually put his jersey on a tackle 
Did you see that picture? I, I did not see anything. It was like one of those like, like tackle things. I'm not 100% sh- sure that's the case, but I, I, I thought I saw something on Twitter. I don't want to make any like yeah, crazy, accusations. Right. And so I just overall think what like I, I think the question becomes like how as a team, what do you do in this scenario? Not I think I guess one, what do you think as a player perspective? And then two, front like management, like the Browns too. Like again, like I said, you're getting a bad rap already with Deshaun Watson. I, I don't know, like what I don't know. When you say players scenario, you're talking about from Perion's point of view or just players on the team? In general, just the players on the team. And pre or post? Post, obviously. Okay. Uh, well, I think if you're the front office, you made the right move. Now you're able to kind of move on from it. it it's just unfortunate. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think Perion was all that great of a right-now production. Again, it was more his potential. And if you're a player, I mean, it, you just... Like, how are you going to argue it? Like, you, there's things happening in the guy's life where he's constantly at the center of attention in bad light, and now you kind of have that off your shoulders. Sure, I'm sure guys were close with him, not attacking his character of being, you know, a fun teammate, whatever, a good teammate, but not a great guy off the field from what we can see. Well, I also think, too, someone should probably step up and kind of take charge and be like, listen, like, this isn't how the Browns are supposed to be like this isn't our image and stuff because you really as much as I hate to say it you can't do that with Deshaun Watson and usually it's your quarterback that steps up and takes control of the media and says like hey like we're not tolerant of this like that was in the past we're looking forward type of type beat I'll say I usually like I don't know I like to say that but obviously but you can't do that with Deshaun Watson Everyone's just gonna call him a hypocrite, right? Yeah, no. You can even tell. though, even though maybe, like, again, we the accusations and stuff. I'm not saying that he did it or not. I'm like, we do. I'm not gonna. Again, we're on we're on the boat outside of it. Don't really know the matters of it. But overall, I mean, like, he he's gonna get scrutinized even more by the media, right? Yeah, you you can't step up and try to be like, oh, you know, our team needs to be out of bad light in media. We need to respect women and keep a low profile. Like, yeah, if I'm a player, I'm laughing. Like, whether or not you did it or not, you've failed most of those things, right? Right. You you can't be the guy to step up and say that being a leader in the locker room when it comes to football is one thing. Like, could he still be that? Yeah, absolutely. Being a leader off the field, it takes a lot different (laughs) – of a, I, I, I don't know. I just don't. It's a, and now you look at this Browns team too, and I don't want to get too far off topic, but like, who is that guy? That I was about to ask you that. Like, it's not Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a great example off the field to keep your head down and everything, but he's just not like a very vocal. Miles person. Garrett, same, same, same exact type of way. Thing. Like, hard worker, dominates on the field. It's just been said that he's not like that vocal leader. It's just not his personality, and that's just the reality with some guys. And then we talk to Sean. I think he, I think he could have been, but with this now you can't. For who? For like he could have been a leader for this team. That that guy that can really go out Deshaun? there, go up to the podium, and you know that you could be like, all right, we're fine with whatever he's gonna say because I know he's gonna say the right thing. 
And he could, but at this, like, he, he could do that, but, like, he, no one will take him seriously. Like, it's different, like, when Dak Prescott goes up there because it's like. Yeah, because he's the interceptions leader. That, well, no, it's. <laughs> well, yeah. But, like, there's no character concerns with Dak Prescott. No, there's not. And it's, you can't put a guy up there on the podium like Deshaun Watson. I think if you're Deshaun, you still have to act like the leader, though. No, right? I agree. I 100% agree. And you got to try to change your image as best as you can. And as a quarterback, there's no way to stay off the podium. Like, after every single game, win or lose, you're going to be on the podium no matter what. The press is talking to you. There's no way to get out of it. I agree. So you, you have to show those leadership qualities. And externally, people might be concerned. Internally, you know, we can't really speak for. That's what I'm saying. And, and the other thing is to. We that that's why we said like there is no guy like a Dak Prescott on this team where it's just like all right we can send him up there we know it's gonna be okay no matter what he's not gonna get these hardball questions or anything like that about any off field issues like no that's not you can't get it with him and it's unfortunate again uh, like podiums one thing too like whatever but to a degree I can care less what guys say to the media. It's more internal leadership where you think about this team winning, where it's like, couldn't can Deshaun be that guy? Maybe. But if it's not and you look around, whew, like I, who's stepping up, man? Denzel Ward? Like, that's the next like big guy I can think of. Like Greg Newsom's probably too young. Amari Cooper? Maybe. But even then he's been here for only a year and I mean Well, that's part of the culture. There's nobody who's been here for a long time aside like Miles Garrett. And even Stefanski too, he's not a vocal guy either. <laughs> for the most part, he's at pretty least to quiet. The media, at least to the media, he's no. I'm quiet, just saying right? he's just like a quiet, low tone guy. Like uh, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just that's his know, demeanor. That's his demeanor. It is. It's it's basically just like Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett. You know, the team is just full of like aside from Deshaun, low profile, quiet guys, and it's like, can that work? I don't know. Maybe, but only time will tell. Like, only can time this team will tell, be successful. Yeah. I don't know. I think. I, I don't know. Well, I, I guess we'll see how that one really starts to pan out then. But going more into like the X's and O's, what's going to happen then with this defensive tackle room? Because, okay, you do have a guy in Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson's your staple, right? Like Obviously. He, and I also want to make it very clear that this is not the old way of football, right? This isn't your dad's defensive tackle room anymore. Like... D-tackles are not playing 100% of snaps. This is a heavy rotation position. Like, guys are in for a couple of downs, and then they're out. They're keeping guys really fresh because, realistically, D-tackles are big dudes, man. Like, right. they can't stay out there that long. If they're going to give 100%, they're going to be gassed pretty quick. So, Especially, I mean, he's probably going to be running the one tech. Oh, right? 100%, yeah. yeah. And you're going to need probably four usable D-tackles at the very least, I would say. Like, to keep guys fresh, right? Like, I would say you're using 4D tackles. Depends on if we're doing a 3-4 or 4-3, which I'm pretty sure Schwartz likes his 3-4. So, I mean, you probably don't need as many because, I mean, okay, 4 if you're only using 1 at that point. Well, I guess technically, depends on where you put the edges then. We're really getting the X's and O's on that one, man. Yeah, I mean, like, Jim Schwartz... I don't know. I think you need either way. Tackles either way, usable. you need depth there. Yeah. Period. Which we is, can agree on that. Yeah. And 
I don't know. I'm still not that concerned. Like, Perion would have gotten his time, and it would have been a good depth piece. But, like, some of these guys that are still here, like, let's be realistic. Alvin Tomlinson's obviously our staple. That's going to be your D-tackle one. Like, you also have Jordan Elliott, who we've seen, I don't want to say promise out of, but he's been okay. Um, Siaka Ika, you just drafted. He looks very, you know, like there's a lot Big. of promise there. Yeah, <laughs> like he's quick. I mean, you might see more play time out of him now with Perry on gone. And then you're still talking guys like Tommy Togiai and maybe a couple of these guys might not make the roster down the end of it, but like Tristan Hill, Maurice Hurst. So you don't think they should go out and try to sign another guy, do you? I, I don't know if there's another impact guy just sitting out there waiting to be signed. That's really I think there's a couple team. out there. You got any names in mind off the free agent market? or That wasn't something we really talked about. I didn't bring anything to the table either. I wouldn't have anyone, but... I, I forget off the top of my head. I was looking at it the other day. I think there was one dude from Carolina that I liked as a rotational guy. I forget his... It, oh, man. I don't know. I, I just think that at least bringing in one more veteran would help. Because at this point, I just don't know... Yeah, I obviously want Siaka Ika to get some time, but I don't want to rely on him to do a lot. And I, I, I get a little scared then... Because, again, Jordan Elliott is another guy where it's like it's hit or miss with him sometimes. So I don't know how I feel too much about that. And I think if you just bring in one more defensive tackle that is a veteran that you could potentially rely on and, like, you know that you're you know what you're going to get out of them, then, yeah, I'd be down for that. It's an, And I don't think it's going to cost you that much. I know the price of... Defensive tackles is going up a little bit more, but it wouldn't hurt. You want to sign a 36-year-old Ndamukong Sue? I wouldn't. How much are you talking? I don't know what the market is on him, man. Probably. He's going to get paid. He's a star, but he's also still a free agent, which tells you something. Like, I don't think he'd be getting paid like, you know. What are some other names? Did you pull up some other names? I tried to pull up some of these, but this list just isn't that updated. Like, uh, a couple of these names that are on here are like on teams and stuff. So that's fine then. And honestly, most of the guys like like Maurice Hurst is on here, and he's on the Browns right now. So I would have to look up name by name, and none of these names are really all that exciting to me. Like Akeem Hicks, that's Shelby Harris, Michael Brockers. Those are the names that are standing out. All older guys that are still going to be left. Do you? I don't know if any of them have signed contracts elsewhere. Okay, so you don't. You're not. You're not necessarily on board with signing one. But do you think that they will? I, I think it's a possibility they go out and sign one. But again, with what's left of your cap, is it really worth it to go out there and sign a guy? Like, how impactful is he going to be over giving a young guy opportunities? Because realistically, whose reps are you probably taking away this season? Ika. Like he's a young guy around. Yeah, but who's going to be your defensive tackle too? I think you're probably looking at Jordan Elliott again, right? And I'm just not sold on that. That's why I'm saying like it's a rotation though. Like he's going to be in on downs. No, I get like, it. If you're going heavy pass rush on the first play, throw an Ika. If you're not, throw in Jordan Elliott. Or you know, if you're going heavy run stuff, maybe Tommy Togia. Even though I know he's had his struggles. Like. 
the D tackle position is just so. You never, yeah. Like it, I don't think there's really that much of a need to have like the best D tackle in the league. Like I'm, I think you're more sure up having Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett on the other ends of it. Like, how do you make your D tackle look better? Put two Pro Bowl level DNs on the end, like right next to him. I agree, but at the same time, though, we do have a struggle with stopping the run. Yeah, absolutely, we do. Da- Dalvin's one of the best run stoppers in the NFL, right? Which is good, but also too. I mean, if we're going to run that 3-4, you're going to need your linebackers to step up, and I have concerns with that room still. Well, there's definitely concerns with the linebacker room. I I think the talent's there in the linebacker room. I absolutely do. But the production's not necessarily there, in my opinion, or the health. Yeah, the health is really what gets me, right? Like, I think you have three guys coming off of major injuries. Uh, Taki-Taki. Taki-Taki, Anthony Walker, and Jacob Phillips. I am back. I'm, I'm glad, though... Walker is back. Yeah, I that's think a he's good, a real like defensive leader. Yeah, I that's one guy in that linebacker room that I think really steps up. One of the few that leader. I'm actually like half confident in coverage too. Right. Like a lot of those guys are like really good attacking the ball. Like I think they help a lot in the run game to be healthy. But Anthony Walker is one where it's like, okay, when we have to drop back and actually cover the pass, yeah, like you can back up. Whereas like Jacob Phillips, I you might as well just turn him around backwards. Right. I, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens then. Again, I, I think I probably need to study Jim Schwartz's defenses a little bit more just to kind of see what we're going to expect. But overall, I'm I'm a little I'm I'm pretty excited about it, and I I think some of the coaches are as well too. We'll get into we'll get into the, that uh, in a little bit. Yeah, I just don't again like Perion. Like, was he really that much better than the guys behind him was my thing. I don't really think so. No, I, I agree. And I think we've just been talking about a defensive tackle, too, for the longest time. And, again, I, I don't think that was Perrion this season. So, it's – like, I, I wasn't staring at that room being like, Perrion is definitely the second-best defensive tackle on this team. Yeah. Now, kind of going into, almost, I guess, another loss to a room that – has its own I questions. Would, I would say that, yeah, there's a lot of questions with the depth in the, the wide receiver room. Marquise Goodwin, and this was crazy as well, comes out and he says he has blood clots in his lungs. Yeah, it was his lungs and somewhere else, but the lungs is the most concerning part. Which is far. a big-time concern. Again, yeah. worry about his health first and foremost. But it's, I mean, I'm assuming that He's going to take at least some time off, right? Yeah, no, I think his health for the entire season here is in major doubt. At least half of the season, I'm I'm assuming. Like, until that's shored up and you can get fully cleared by a doctor to be like, okay, it's no longer a problem, I'm not running out onto the field. Like, (laughs) and rightfully so. Like, it's just, there's times where you have to put your health first. This is 100% one of them. And from a team aspect, this hurts a lot too, right? Like, I think it was a shoe-in that Marquise Goodwin makes the team. I think that was your easily top-tier deep threat that we're talking about now. Like In terms of pure run-a-go-route and go-beat somebody, that was Marquise Goodwin. Dude had speed, and yeah, again, he was a good deep threat. It's a huge loss, in my opinion. I think it's... There it, was some flashes of him. You went out and specifically got this guy. This was like your guy to go get. This is who you wanted. And now most likely not going to be available 
which I think brings up the questions in the wide receiver room of, okay, now if let's say Goodwin's health is at risk for the whole year, we're going to probably figure that out by the end of training camp. Like, is he going to make the roster? Unfortunately, probably not. That's just the way injuries go when they're this early. What guy's stepping up and making it? And especially considering the deep threat role. We're like, playing this we're playing this game again? Oh, We have to play this game again. All right. Here we go. We're pulling up the roster. I think... So the, I, I'm going to just rattle off a couple of names. Well, I, here's the thing. They technically... Uh, it is not six. The magic number is changed from seven now. It's from it's from six to seven. Seven so, wide receivers are probably going to make this roster. I that's what uh, reports are saying. Okay, I'm going to go. I, I just pulled it up right now. So I mean, I already have like a few names in mind. So Amari of, Cooper one, obviously. Boom. Number two, then Elijah Moore. Shoe in. Three Donovan Peoples Jones. Shoe in. Cedric Tillman becomes your four. At this point, this is where you get a little bit debatable. Yeah, like let's and obviously the assumption here is that Marquise Goodwin doesn't play for the whole season. Who steps up? So Marquise Goodwin out of the conversation again. Hope you for his best health. All right, David Bell. I think he makes it. I think he does at this point too. He's too young not to give a shot to, and you drafted him. Yeah, and I wasn't a fan of him pre-draft. I wasn't. He showed flashes, but it just he ran the a NFL, six. Yeah, like the NFL size wasn't there. There's no speed. No, yeah. the four six was a concern, and especially too when you're coming from the slot, I did not like it at, at all. I liked his hands. I think his hands looked really good coming out of college. Like, I mean, his comp was Jarvis Landry, right? Which he does kind of remind me a lot of like an older day Jarvis, like like current day Jarvis more so, just because the speed isn't there, but. I don't think we saw that much out of his hands last year either. I agree. So, so then, but again, I don't think you can cut him. Like you just drafted him, and you was, drafted yeah. him what in the fourth round? Twenty twenty two. No, it was the third round. Third pick. round. So I would say we can agree on Bell. Yeah. Jalen Darden. I think he probably gets cut. Yeah, I think that's probably more of a likelihood than anything right now. Even though he's one of the youngest in the room. It's not a at guy you signed. Though. Or not a guy you drafted. I'm sorry. No, I agree. Jakeem Grant, how about that one? I think that opens the door wide open for him. I, I think, think he comes back. It, like, he was definitely on the fringe of, like, you know, is, can this guy actually make it now that Goodwin stepped in and kind of playing that exact same role that he was set up for? But with if Goodwin's down, I think Jakeem Grant's my favorite option to step up. Again, I really liked him. Thought he was a decent receiver and a really good returner. So then I guess uh, we're at six now. And this leaves us with Mike Harley Jr., Rashawn Henry, Austin Watkins. Well, I think there's a couple of more names there now. Like? Um, I think you still have... Dalen Baldwin. He's another one. Michael Woods II. No, Anthony he's Schwartz. out, remember? Oh, he got injured, correct? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I purposely skipped over Anthony Schwartz because Anthony that dude Schwartz is, is still missing on the, the roster. Well, he's not going to make it. I think you should watch your... Watch your quick oh step my there. God, dude. Not that I want Anthony Schwartz to make the roster. I, I'm Anthony Schwartz hater number one. Like, I will fight tooth and nail. But again, who did you lose? You lost Marquise Goodwin, aka your deep threat. What is Anthony Schwartz's role on this team? Jalen Darden, deep threat. Marquise Goodwin, deep threat. Jakeem Grant, deep threat. Elijah Moore, deep threat. Uh, Elijah Donovan Peoples Jones, deep threat. 
Not in the same way, though. Not in the same way. Don't, don't, don't put DPJ there. Don't put DPJ okay. there. I'm just saying in general of a deep threat. Yeah, DPJ is a 50-50 ball guy, though, Like or a possession guy. No, I, guy. I agree. Like, we're but, talking deep threat in terms of speed, go beat me. That's Marquise Goodwin. Either way, That's though, Anthony I named Schwartz. off all those guys. Jalen Darden not going to make it. And we talked about it. Jalen Darden's not making Like, Anthony Schwartz has a chance to make this team over Jalen Darden, I think, without a doubt. Again, guys you drafted, you have longer leashes with. You expect more out of. You saw something in them. You've done your research. Yeah, well, obviously they didn't do it enough on him. Well, I agree. He sucks. But the door is certainly open for a possibility of this guy make the roster. I would say you're saving graces. I think he started on the either the pup list or the football non-injury list to start training camp. So My thing is this, though. Remember what everyone was saying, like, all right, he at least has fast and he has different roles of like jet sweeps and this or that, like just kind of these different gadget tool he things. He does have that, right. certainly. But you know who's also doing that too? Uh, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, Demetric Felton. So at that point, I, you just got to – I think that's partly why they wanted Elijah Moore. Listen, again, I'm not saying that Anthony Schwartz makes the roster. I'm not sending him in as my seven. But, like, the name is there, and I don't think it's fair to skip over it now. I think he's entered his name back into the conversation. Again, I don't know if he's still on the injured list here for training camp, but it's certainly, if he's not, a possibility. Okay, how about this then? Who would you, Ben, pick to be the last guy? I mean, at that point, does it matter? <laughs> like, it, like I mean, one, those guys probably aren't touching the field. Who am I taking as my wide receiver, though? Like, I'd probably go with Darden, honestly. Like, yeah, probably, but I, I just don't. Like, I don't know enough about a lot of these guys, honestly. Like, I, think I don't biggest, know anything about Harley, really. My biggest takeaway, then, with this is I don't. I have a lot of questions just about this room completely because is like first things first like is donovan people's jones gonna like be a great three then or what's gonna what's gonna happen with that one i like dpj i i listen i like him as a three but that's what he he is but if you're gonna try to force him into a role of a two like i'm just gonna get sick and tired of it because it's got to be elijah moore at this point yeah I, i also don't necessarily think you have to commit to like uh a hard two, hard three there, where it's just like they're playing such different roles, right? Like Elijah Moore is going to be your slot guy. It's going to be probably look too. They're more. moving them all around. We're gonna we'll talk about Elijah Moore later in the episode as well too. But I don't like. I think Elijah Moore is the two here. If we're going to go by production standpoint, like I think Elijah Moore outperforms ZPJ this year. But I also don't think you have to look at it as like okay, like Amari Cooper first, Elijah Moore second. That's fair. ZPJ third. I think you just like you, you drop schemes for guys. All three, in my eyes, are pretty good wide receivers. I wouldn't mind if they tried to shop maybe another option as a four, like, deep threat, kind of like what Marquise Goodwin was going to be. Like, you're saying go down the market and try to find a guy? Just like, yeah, speed guy, veteran, like, that, like nothing. That's, a th- again, like, I just don't know that that guy exists at this point. I agree. Like, I, I wouldn't would, mind, but I wouldn't mind if they tried to do their research on it and look for a guy like that. Like Byron Pringle just got signed today. Which, yeah. Like that, again, I don't know how much stock I'm putting in Byron Pringle right now. 
Like, that's not my top guy that I'm looking to go for, but he did get signed to the commanders today. Like, And who knows, though, too, because post-cuts as well. Yeah, like, so obviously like, guys open up, stuff like that, but I, I don't know. I, I think you have – the guys that you're going to sign right now are going to make probably, what, the minimum? I agree. I just think it's going to be a bigger loss than we expected. Like uh, yeah. than we than fans expect right now. I yeah, like I, I think Goodwin was going to be a really good piece here, and I think he was going to get used, and now you don't have that potentially. Right. Because I, I especially to Deshaun Watson, we've seen in the past he does utilize the deep ball pretty well. We, I mean, Will Fuller, a lot of connection there, and then it, I'm not saying Will Fuller's coming back. I'm just saying in his time with which by Houston, the way, Will Fuller probably a name. He's retired I mean, at this point. I'm but, no, I'm like dead ass. Like I feel. I don't like think he announced a retirement. Did he? I don't think he's. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he announced it technically, but he basically is. But he is a free agent. I'm, I'm just, just saying, a, yeah. Clearly, he's not on a team for a reason, but also, like, it's a guy you have a connection with. If the speed's still there, it's a possibility, but I don't know. It, it was a guy I was kind of hyped about the po- potential of getting even last year. Oh, yeah, year. I remember that. That was, a, that was a big one there, but... Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. I want to talk about then the pressers next. Because there was some there's some information that was being thrown around that I mean nothing that we really are like surprised about. Yeah, I mean these are this is just kind of usual casual stuff. Yeah, and most of this is going to be coming from yesterday's pressers and the day before. There's also again every day these guys got to go up and talk to the podium pretty much. Uh, I haven't been able to listen to a lot of the ones from today. I know Miles got up and talked at some point. I haven't been able to heard that yet. So these are all coming from the 23rd. So that have been the pressers on Monday. Yeah. So we'll get the ball rolling. Jimmy Haslam coming out. He kind of just reiterated his confidence in Kevin Stefanski as well. I mean, I, I'm not really shocked at that. You're not going to go out and trash your coach and say like, oh, yeah, he's actually on the hot seat. Right, but, I mean, realistically, more so on the hot seat. I mean, Haslam spoke it into existence like he has full confidence in Stefanski, which, again, you can argue is just him going up there and talking the way he should with his team. But uh, I think, realistically, there's more hesitation there, especially out of fans. Fans are definitely more hesitant to say we're comfortable with Stefanski. I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on Stefanski just yet because – I'm not. I'm not saying we got to get like he's on the hot seat, but I'm not saying like his seat's warm. It, 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 I don't want to say it's hot, but it's it's you know, getting it's getting a little warm. He I turned think, on the heated seat in his car to like maybe low. No, I, I agree. It's only at the first button, not the three. No, you know maybe two. But I just feel like you got to. I think this is probably the year of when the hot seat, when his seat will turn into hot. If it does, like, because now you're starting to get the Deshaun Watson that has the rust off. You got Elijah Moore in that offense. You got Jim Schwartz as your defensive coordinator. You got one hell of a fucking 
defensive end room. And then I would even include your, I mean, at least one defensive tackle that's solidified. So you've really done a lot in that sense. And you still got Nick Chubb there. I just think that now he has all those elements where it's like, you're going to be like, hey, dude, if you're not providing now, you're we're going to have some concerns here. I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I think you're looking at a reevaluation of Sysfanski six to eight games in. Yeah, I would give him, I'd probably say six to eight games. I'd say probably like Thanksgiving. That's usually the determiner of, you know. Yeah, you give him a start, and if you're not off to like, and I'm talking like a hot start, like you don't have to be seven and one through eight, but my God, you probably got to be five and three. Like if he comes out and he starts off four and four, are you not concerned? I get concerned. I wouldn't like. I don't. I don't know if it would cost him his job, but it would certainly put him probably on a week to week basis. I still think it probably. Yeah, there there'll be more concern, but I still think it. It all depends on how he finishes the year. Where are you on Stefanski though right now? Like for the Browns, I feel like you're basically at like AFC title game or bust with this roster. Like not maybe not bust, but like you're not happy unless you make it basically that far. I'm maybe, just, maybe like a divisional round game that like you know you lose by a score with a wild card win or something like that. Like I don't. You, you got to be looking to the like you have the team right now. Like this is a good or should be good defense and a should be elite offense with Deshaun Watson playing well. No, I I don't don't get me wrong. I agree. Like I I think you should, but at the same time, I'm just. I always know to not have my expectations high with this team. But expectations are high. Real like they, that was one of the things start that uh, to be higher. One of the things that Haslam and Stefanski both talked about in their pressers too were like expectations are high and they understand that. But they should be. Like your window is only so big. Like you have a set number of years to win a title. Right now, that number's at like four. Because that's how long you have Deshaun Watson locked up for. After that, you have no clue. I really just don't know what's going because that's that's the thing. Like we could say all that all this stuff about like, oh yeah, we we have high expectations for this team, blah blah blah, and we think they're going to win this this this. And but at the same time, I mean, everyone thought that we were going to be the Jets week one. We didn't. No, absolutely. We it, didn't. It's just it, it happens every year to the point where it's just like I don't know even what to have for expectations with this team anymore. Yeah, well, that's the, the reality here, is just it, it. We always just underperform. Well, that's the point. If you have a coach in office who's constantly still underperforming, what do you do? You make a change. Well, and I, but the thing is too, how many coaches are you going to go through to realize that it's not necessarily just their problem? I think years I, past is such a different story, though. No, I agree. Like, I agree. Hugh Jackson, while I think he's still a god awful coach. Did he did not, not have, have a good team. roster. No, he did not. And I, I think that's why Stefanski has had a longer leash than most coaches. And granted, yes, he did take us to the playoffs and stuff. I agree on that sense. But at the same time, I just don't know where to set expectations with this team. Because if we underperform, I look at myself and I'm like, was it because I realistically was thinking too highly of them? I think from a front office perspective, your expectations should be high. When you sit down and look at this team on paper, this should be a team that's playing really well. 
And I think it all, it truthfully all depends on Deshaun Watson. It does. But guess, I mean, sorry to say it, but like, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play well, that's like he's here. Like you're not getting away. You can't from do anything. Deshaun it's like Watson. kind of it's like the Broncos. Yeah. So if Russell Wilson, if Deshaun Watson's not going to play well, you turn to Kevin Stefanski and you go, "Why isn't your quarterback playing well? We know he's a good quarterback. Time for somebody else to try to figure it out. And maybe that's not truly his problem. Maybe Deshaun just isn't there. But like it's going to turn on to him. It's going to turn on to him. It's going to turn yeah. on to Barry. Those are your two guys who are going to be on the hot seat if Deshaun doesn't play well, if this team doesn't play well. So, yeah, I mean, confident in Stefanski. Yeah, just maybe podium talk. I think the seat's a little hot. It's a definitely, hot. Like, like I said, I think you look eight games in. If you're not where you're supposed to be, unfortunately, Stefanski's, and I hate firing coaches midseason, but it might just I be wouldn't, what it is. I wouldn't fire a midseason unless we're – like the ship is burning, we're two and six. Like it's a disaster. I wouldn't do that because you the, never know. The idea, though, is that if you're not confident eight games in, why ship in a season with him there the whole time? If because you're at that point, the, the, she, the season's already toast. That's yeah, why. How toast is the season eight games in? Like, sure, if you're two and six, yeah, the season's toast. But like, if you're just not happy with him four and four. Like your season's not over after four losses. No, I get it, but it, I mean you're in a division too that has the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So wild card always a possibility. Fair enough. He also Jimmy Haslam also discussed how he was happy with the addition of uh, Jim Schwartz. I mean, again, pretty obvious stuff there. I, yeah, I would be too. You can't know. be a, can't be too mad upgrading from Joe Woods in my mind. No, and and I think it was a great upgrade as well. Agreed. And then also to uh, Deshaun, he he discussed about his progression, not just as a quarterback, but as a person and a leader. Yeah, he went really deep into like, and I don't want to say really deep, but he went more into, you know, like we've seen what he's been doing off the field. He's been going to, you know, the meetings or whatever you want to call them that they have him set up doing mandatory for. He hasn't had any problem with those. You see him all around the locker room constantly working, just really stepping up as a leader for these guys and doing everything that you would want him to do given the position he's in. And then that basically kind of wraps up what Jimmy Haslam had to say. But moving on over to D. Haslam. Um, these ones were a little more interesting because obviously – It wasn't football. I mean, it was, football, but at the same yeah. time it's, it wasn't. Obviously, she's not going to talk as much on the team. She discussed some – Stadium renovations, though. Yeah, like she's. Not, I'm saying she's not going to talk personal. No, I know. I'm just saying though, yeah. like stadium renovations. That was the first thing that she really discussed. Yeah, they were talking about, and her and Jimmy kind of both touched on this, but it was more her segment than anything. Was the questions directed towards her with ease? It was more of a focus on, you know, the potential of a dome coming in, potential of just stadium renovations in general. Because let's be realistic: if you've ever been down to what, what do we even call it now, Cleveland Brown Stadium. Since cutting our deal with First Energy, I have no clue. I, I'm pretty sure we're Cleveland Brown Stadium again, but if you like, it, it's just not the nicest place to be. Like, it's okay. I don't think it's like god awful, but when you look around the other, like if you've ever been to another NFL stadium, most of them are a little bit nicer. No, I agree. In the situation, like, it, it's just on a terrible spot in the city, right? But she also did say the importance of the lakefront to Cleveland as well. Yeah, she talked about how the lakefront right now just isn't like that 
popular, right? Like, what is down there by the Browns? Like, the Science Center, the Rock Hall, and the Browns. The Flats. That's not even connected. Think about it. No, I know. I'm just saying, though. Like, Like that's the only other thing that I can think of. It's on the lakefront, but, like... If it's not flats, really on the lake front of where the Browns are. Right. If the Flats and the Browns were, like, walking distance away from each other, because I think we can both agree that, realistically, they're not. I think for a college student, if, like, after, like a post-game thing or something like that, like, yes. Are, are, but, but right now, are you for the walking— the average fan. Yeah, are you no. walking, like, as an average fan, walking out of the stadium and being like, oh, like, the bars Let's are go so hit close. Up to the Let's flats. Bar. No, like, you, it, obviously, that's not one of the things. And the thing is, like, the Flats, I know, here and there, it's, like, it's had its— you, it's it's gone through its phases, I would say, and now it's starting to come back a little bit. There's more restaurants, you know, more bars and more activities in that sense. So I think that be, it would be ideal. But again, like like you said, the Rock Hall, the Science Center, that, that's about it. And like, let's be, that's not drawing in. People. No, that's not going to draw in people because you got to realize this too. Like, people it's are not going summer. To- yeah, people like are going no to the gonna Rock Hall. No one's going to be by the lakefront during the <laughs> during the winter. People are going to the Rock Hall, right? Like on their own, but it's not like oh, you know, we could just hit the Rock Hall and then you know, the Browns are right there. Like, oh, who the like, fuck does that? Yeah, like nobody. That's what I'm saying. The Science Center too. Like, right? They like, talk about I, the two dichotomies of like, you know, your average football fans. Not like, you know, what would be really interesting right now. Science, like, like that's no. literally your. <laughs> like I like I like the science center. I think it's great. Like don't get me wrong. Of course wrong, you but... do because you're a nerd. Like, yeah, I, like a I get bit. that. But the thing is, you, it's like high school. Like if you think about this, you got sports, nerd, and then the, the, the music, the yeah, band, the band. That's what I'm saying. Like it's just like, what are we doing? It makes no sense. Yeah, like there there needs to be progression on the lakefront right now. And it starts with the but Browns. But the problem is, like, it, there needs to be a progression. But, like, what can you put there? There's not a lot of room. Well, okay, so the major issue right now is that Cleveland seems to be split into two, where the Browns seem to be off on a lonely little island where nothing happens down on that side of East Ninth. Yeah. Or, and then yeah, it, East Ninth. And then, every, it, but then the Cavs and the Guardians are on the whole other side. Right. right? Like, and they are the city, right? Like, that's what you would They're envision. in the heart of the city. Like, I could walk out of a Guardians game and be like, all right, time to hit a bar. Like, oh, Thirsty Parrots right there, Wild Eagle, Barley House. Like, they're all, and there's probably a ton of missing paninis, whatever's all else around there. Whereas, if you're sitting there at the Browns game, oh, my God, I have to, uh, like, I want to go to a bar after. I've got to go to the Uber, like, yeah, to the I'm, flats. Right, I'm either going to have to go get my car, repark, pay for parking somewhere, or I'm going to have to walk, like, a basically in the cold for most of the games, like a mile down East 9th, or, yeah, I'm going to have to Uber. It's just not – and by the way, there's no easy connection. Like, you have to get up on the freeway, wait for the cars passing the freeway, which is another thing he hasn't talked about. She said renovation, you know, stadium being moved, whatever. The number one thing for the city needs to be that connection bridge. We all saw the mock-up that I don't even think it made it on the ballot this year for it to basically be like – Going right over the freeway, all grass and sidewalk, just able to walk straight towards the Brown Stadium over the highway, not having to sit there waiting across the street and all that. That's a and it's a pain in the ass to wait too. Yeah, like it, it makes it so much slower. Also, think about how wide you have to go around right now to it's, get from the freeway. Like you have to go it makes all the way no down, sense. down from the Rock Hall and then curve all the way around and walk another long straight to the Brown Stadium. Like no matter where you park right now, even the Muni lot is kind of a hike. It is. Like, it's not, it's walkable, like, I'm not going to act like... But it's still a hike. Yeah, but it's it's a walk. Yeah. Like, you're sitting there, by the time you get there, you're like, oh my god, I like, why'd I do this? Right. 
Yeah. But, like, the connection bridge would fix that, and she said it's a number one must, and I just happen to agree with her. And yeah, I, think, I agree, too. I, I think most Clevelanders would. No, it, it, it makes perfect sense. The Browns seem to be the heart of the city in terms of what we care about the most, right? Like, So then why don't you put it in the heart of the city kind of thing, or at least have a connection to the city? It's hard. Right, right now, it's impossible to put it in the city, right? Like, Obviously, there's, there's no room. There's no, like, it's so crowded, there's nowhere to put it. So you're looking right now of, like, what the Haslam's are saying, which basically you sit your pretty ass right there and you just handle it and you make renovations to the stadium, you do what you can, you try to make it more of a central part through connection bridge and whatever else you can do, building up the lakefront, or you relocate, but you relocate right now, you're going to a suburb. I agree. Like, you're you're not staying in the heart of Cleveland. I don't know how close that suburb will be. I'm not saying you're going like half an hour away from Cleveland, but you're not sticking around hard. in the city. Pretty hard to find one. Yeah. So that was D Haslam talking about just you know the stadium, which I mean I that would have been funny if she just started like just talking about schematics and just like yeah well you know with this defensive front <laughs> yeah with Jim For- Smores running from yeah, like, no, what no, 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 D what hold on <laughs> yeah where the fuck did that come from um, next person we wanted to talk but about I, I want to oh, say yeah. I think D was one of the most interesting I mean aside from like actual team related stuff like she's worth listening to just on. Stadium renovation, stuff like that. Like, Oh, I agree. Outside revenue stuff that I think fans should still really be She's excited for. She's very intelligent. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a great listen for yeah. that part of the presser. Yep. And then and, and moving on, uh, Kevin Stefanski went up there. I mean, he kind of obviously talked about the Sean. And again, in a positive light, pretty excited about him too. And, he, you know, he's growing and stuff. That's that's Stefanski talked for 20 straight minutes. We got three bullet points down on him. It's yeah. Because guess what? When Stefanski talks, it's a whole lot of nothing. And, and not even like a shot at Stefanski in that point. It's just like he's not a head coach that's gonna give you sound bites. No, he's he's not. Like he, he speaks in like generalities. It's never excited. Like he's just never he's a really good podium guy. Like he's gonna go up there, he's the one that you he's know. Gonna is say gonna, what you gotta say, get it over with. He's yep. gonna say the right thing. He's never throwing anybody under the bus. He's never overpraising a guy like it, he just doesn't give you a lot. So, so yeah, he I talked mean, on Deshaun, and it was basic. He, I mean, again, another edition of Dalvin Tomlinson. He talked about that as well. Yeah, he basically what just it's going to bring. Yeah, like sat it, around, said that you know he's going to be a good fit into the D line. Right, they're really excited to have him on stuff like that. Which, yeah, wow, shocker! Obviously. The team who couldn't stop the run is accepting and inviting into plugging in the fit of a run blocker. And then, kind of random too, Cade York. Uh, the Cade York was by far the most interesting part of this. Yeah, it was just random thinking about like talking about Cade York though. Well, I think the city of Cleveland was not that happy with Cade York last season. Well, I agree because you drafted him in the fourth round. But the interesting thing that when he was talking about Cade York was that he's like, we're excited to have Cade back. It's his second year, sophomore year. He's going to be getting every single rep in practice, preseason, and going into the season. There is no doubt between, you know, the Browns going and signing a vet right now or riding out Cade York. They're, they're sticking this kid out. They will leave him after drafting him in the fourth round. I don't know. It just... I like it. I mean... No, no, no. I, I, I do too, but at the same time, it's just like I don't... I, I still feel like that was pretty obvious. I really didn't think I think that, it, it was an underplayed conversation this whole year. I think there, were more, there was more going on that people kind of forgot that they were mad at Cade York. But once the season started again and, you know, week one rolls around and he kicks that opening kickoff, you're going to be like, dude, Cade fucking York again? 
Come on. He was hit or miss. But again, you got to realize it was a rookie. He was a rookie, which is why I think he should be here for the second year, and I'm glad to hear that coming out of Stefanski. Like, they could have even put together a kicker battle. That's what they're doing in Washington right now. The commanders went out and signed uh, Michael Badgley yesterday. At that point, though, I think it's kind of dumb if you do a kicker battle, in my opinion. I mean, I agree, too, with a rookie, like a guy that's coming into his second year. Like, it just, it would make no sense, in my opinion. Uh, that was that was about it from Kevin Stefanski. Again, nothing really too enticing or, you know, just big. Or, like, it, just, it was just whatever, you know? But uh, JOK, he also changed his number two. He's going back to his uh, Notre Dame days as number uh, six, which uh, <laughs> it's kind of kind of funny because uh, there was a former number six with the Browns. Now he's uh, not, not with us. Yeah, who could who could that be? I, but, I definitely don't have anything with that I, number I, on I it. Know. No, definitely not. I threw um, my jersey away. Did you actually? I don't know where it's at. My mom probably took it to Goodwill or some shit. I'm so under the impression to never throw a jersey away. I, I'm so on that bus. Well, my mom hated Baker Mayfield, too. I mean, so. that's completely fair. I'm just on the, like, we were just talking about this before the episode started, the, uh, like, random spring training Ezekiel oh, yeah, Carrera no, jersey. Sick. Ezekiel Carrera, number 65, only time he wore it was in spring training, and some dude at the guards game had it. Like, just random jerseys. Random shit. I saw a Michael Bourne jersey. Like, that is so stupid, right? Like, you're like, oh, my, Michael Bourne was here for, what, a year? Maybe yeah. two? Like, what? Like, who wants that? But then, like, if I break that out, what a conversation starter. Oh, yeah, it's What awesome. a fun jersey to have. Uh, I think you should just hang on to jerseys no matter what. I still have a, a Kyrie Cavs jersey. It doesn't fit me because I was young, but. I had an Antoine, I had an Antoine Jameson See, like, jersey. That yeah. is a, Antoine Jameson is a name that never leaves my head. I probably think about him on a weekly basis. What the fuck is wrong well, with you? One of it is just like I've been playing a lot of Immaculate Grid, and they just added basketball as well. Um, if not, I was playing like Hoops Grid before that. But I like he's a name who I'm always like, did Antoine Jameson play here? <laughs> like I don't know why it just always Fair. pops in my head. Fair, but yeah, no, he changes his number to six. Uh, I think it's really cool. I you know going back to his college number, and then that means Greg Newsome does. It was, it's Greg Newsome, correct? That changes into number zero then. Yes. Yeah. Newsom also changed his number going back to his college A-Day. Yeah. Uh, the JOK one's kind of fun. Uh, he actually mentioned Baker in it. He was like, you know, I didn't really think about it before. Like, as Baker's spot, he kind of had that one shirt up. And when the window opens, it's not there for very long. So I'm Take just going to go ahead and jump it. on it. The other cool thing is uh, I actually have a signed JOK Notre Dame jersey. That's number six. So, Well, there you go. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then also, too, he was asked about like a, a changing of uh, positions and stuff. Yeah, because people were saying that he's not really a linebacker and he should make the change. I actually did have a conversation with my Notre Dame friend. Basically, what they do there also is they, they have a lot of hybrid roles. Yeah. And so, again, JOK was a guy that was in one of their hybrid roles. You saw um, last year it was uh, Isaiah Foskey. He was kind of, not like JOK, but he was in a hybrid role there. So I, I could see why people would kind of bring that up. But at the same time, he I mean, he's sticking a linebacker. A name that comes to mind where you think more of this role defensively, like a Jabril Peppers. Or like an Isaiah Simmons also, too. Yeah. Where you just throw him around the field and it's just like, eh, you know, whatever, right there. Uh, yeah, but JOK talked on it. He basically said, yeah, I'm just going to continue to improve as a linebacker. Uh, switching positions, not something I'm really that concerned about right now. 
I just want to be a better linebacker than I was previously. Yeah, and that's the, that was about that. You know, it kind of cleared that up at least. And then the last one that we wanted to discuss that went to the podium was uh, David Njoku. He, he, one of the things that he really hit on was he made a lot of improvements during the off season, just in his game. Yeah, I mean, basically he spoke on like. I don't know that he he had made a lot of improvements, but so had everyone on offense. He's like, I can't really speak to the defense, but offensively, I've seen a lot of these guys get better, and I'm excited to be around. And I think we're just going to be a better offense this year than we were last year. He also talked on like he's kind of excited to play for Deshaun too for the first full year. That was one of the questions. He goes, Oh, like really excited. Like I, I think it's going to be a much different scene than you saw last year. I mean, it's basically what the whole Browns camp is saying, right? Basically, yeah. And then the last thing that, out of all the pressers, David Njoku, what he said was he was really hyping up Elijah Moore. And it seems like not just him, but everyone's really starting to hype him up. Yeah, he said that that was the guy he was most excited to play with uh, coming into this season. Like, he was just excited to see what he brought. And Njoku was actually one of the more fun ones, too. Uh, If you decide to go back and listen to that, I think the audio is on the Browns website. Uh, he was like joking around with the media and stuff. He was like, "Oh, you know, like, don't let him hear this. Don't tell him I said this. Like, you know, got to keep guys' egos in check." And then, right, something he was talking about something else, and the reporter just kept saying "sure," and he literally just looked at me. He's like, "Stop saying sure. Like, just agree with me. Like, just say yes." <laughs> and like, they all started laughing about it and stuff. He was a really fun one to listen to too. But yeah, really hyped about playing with Elijah Moore. As I think most of these guys should be. Uh, I think the narrative around it was that. It's basically a Jets mistake. They just weren't utilizing him to his full potential, and the Browns planned on doing that. Which ends our discussion about the pressers and leads us into kind of our last topic before we get into this or that. Elijah Moore. And I. this was specifically me that just wanted to talk about it. There, again, there is a ton of hype with him right now. And it's not just, you know, the players or anything like that. It's coaches and just the media itself around Cleveland is kind of going all in on this dude. And the thing is, the reason why is, again, he is being used in a a lot of different situations. Like, it's not just the slot, but he's being used in jet sweeps. He's lining up all over the field. And it just, it's interesting to see because... It was almost kind of like, again, like I said earlier in the show, like that's kind of what you wanted from Anthony Schwartz and you never got it. And maybe this is the guy that you really needed to sort of take this offense to the next level because it's just you needed someone that's versatile and not just a pass catcher, route runner kind of thing, just like an Amari Cooper kind of thing. So... My question is this: Are you starting to buy the hype on Elijah Mitchell more? I mean, more. God, I. You know, I was actually thinking about Elijah Mitchell because of um, I've been watching a bunch of running backs for the 2024 draft class. Travion Henderson reminds me a lot of Elijah Mitchell. If you were wondering, I wasn't, but good note to have. <laughs> little, little, you know, Ohio State football t- tidbit there. Like him a lot. Yeah. Anyways, I'm big. Are you buying the hype of Elijah? More. Um, so I think I was buying it from the beginning, right? Like, I, I was high on Is him. it more now? How about that, then? I, I, I'm so cautious to Is buy it more him. on more? Is it more on more? <laughs> more on that. 
at six. Okay, um, stop. <laughs> it's funny once. No, it's funny as many times as I said. Oh, uh, no, but I, like I said, I think I was high on it coming in, and I don't think I'm any higher on it now. I, I think I don't buy training camp pipe. I ignore that as much as possible because we've all seen it. Training camp heroes exist, and you never want to buy into it because these are where all the stories start coming out. We talked about this earlier on too, like, oh, this guy's going on. Like I saw, I, it was a TikTok, but it was a guy who was trying to report on fantasy and training camp, like the, the teams to look to to draft God, fantasy I hate guys. Those. Yeah, me too. Um, but of course, I watch it because I want to see something stupid, right? Uh, and his number one guy that's going too low in drafts right now is Sky Moore, and he called him that he was going to be the Chiefs wide receiver one this year. No. Like, Kadarius Tony exists. That dude always gets hurt, though. That's the problem. Sky Moore, what, he didn't do anything last year. Like, No, I'm just saying, though, Kadarius Tony, like, I do. Also, I, I have no fucking clue who's going to be the wide receiver one there. Which, by the way, Kadarius Tony actually suffered an injury on a knee that he That's had, what I'm so. saying. Like, he just gets hurt all the time. So, yeah, like, and I, they said he's probably available for week one, but... Um, like, I'm still high on him. There's still question marks. Obviously, like, he didn't have the top-tier production with the Jets. The Jets fell off of him. I'm still excited. I, it seems like the, the connection between him and Deshaun is going really well, whether or not that's the media overplaying it or the Browns just really focusing on it in training camp to build that hype and get guys excited about Elijah Moore. But, again, I'm still high on it. This is a guy who, like, you know, 2021 was putting up 140-yard games. Multiple games over 60 yards. He was the best wide receiver on that team until Garrett Wilson stepped in. No, and I agree, too. I think the reason why I, I'm buying into the hype a little bit more is not because of all the videos and all this stuff. It's more of the fact that I am now trusting in the fact that Kevin Stefanski is using him like he should be used. And that is a versatile weapon that could do multiple different things and unlock different areas of your offense that you never could. That's why I'm getting a little bit higher on him now because Stefanski is finding out different ways not just to use him as a pass catcher down the field or anything like that as a deep threat. No, there's different scenarios that you're using him. You're putting him literally anywhere on the field at this point. So I feel like I'm just getting a little bit higher and higher on Elijah Moore, and that's a reason why I'm glad they went out and got him because I I know you you just you talked about it earlier about being, you know, positions of wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3 and stuff. I get it, but the the, the same thing is at the at the same time you got to realize that I mean you needed a second option in there that could do more. And now you got it. So I I feel like I'm buying into it a little bit more because of the fact that he's actually going to probably use properly at this point. That's my takeaway from it. Yeah, and maybe I was just a little bit higher coming down to Elijah Moore right off the start. No, and I was too. But, I was pretty high on him. So I feel like it's harder for me to be higher on him without just overblowing my confidence. That's fair. So I don't want to say that I'm more confident because I'm already coming in. I was already like, this guy's going to be a wide receiver too. He's going to be successful. I have confidence in that. I also think it's still relevant to say to pump the brakes and wait till you see out of the season. Yeah, I, I still think that's also as well too because, I mean, maybe, again, maybe it is like maybe, just like the preseason Hype. Yeah. Who like, knows? The Browns or the media could be overselling this connection. Like, there, it makes it look like Deshaun Watson's favorite target right now is Elijah Moore. 
That that's what these training camp videos are doing. Like th- he just loves this guy. They just connect. And again, I think you're going to sell that for the Browns. I agree. Like you're going to be like, "All right, Deshaun, like be sure to hit your passes to Elijah Moore in training camp because we know Amari's going to go out and get his, right? He's going to run a good route. He's going to be open. You'll hit him." Sell it that Elijah Moore is going to be really good. We went and got him, you know, gave up a little bit for him. Make it make him look good right now. I still think though that he will turn out. Yeah, same. Like that's what I'm saying, but I'm just saying you should also still be cautious on the hype. Yeah. You should always be cautious on hype this early. Always. So then to wrap up this episode of Mistake by the Take, episode twenty two. Ooh. Here we go. We got this or that. It's our Wednesday edition of it. And since we're talking Browns and position groups basically too, we want to see which position group is better. And we got four different categories here, so let's see where we go with this. And the first one is, do you rather? Well, do not you do rather. you rather. Do you rather? Would you rather? Would you, no, I want. No, it wouldn't be. Would, would you rather? It should. I should have said. What do you think is better? More confidence in. Who do you have more confidence in? That's another one that you could say, Jake. Thanks. The halfback room. Or the running back room. I don't know why I put HB in there. A little really mad in weird. play. Yeah. Or the edge group. Um, I think personally, if you talk to me on an individual, well, yeah, I'm probably more confident in Nick Chubb than I am in any edge rusher, maybe. I mean, him and Miles are like neck and neck. I think they're the best at their respective positions. Which brings me to the next point, which is why I'm going to choose the edge because I think you're much deeper there. I agree. That's that's why I would choose the edge room as well, too. You've really beefed that up with Zadarius Smith. Because if it was a one-to-one competition, Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, really close call. You could really kind of see it from either way. But at the same time, you know, what's the depth with the running back room right now? Jerome Ford's your running back, too. Which, I mean... We don't know if it's going to pan out or not, but there's a lot less concerns with your edge group. I think that's your number one group heading into the season. How would it not be, right? I like, mean, they, you could make, I, I could say, maybe like the offensive line. That's the only other competition in my mind. That I would truthfully think that's, you know, solidified. It's so hard to be like, yeah, I'm more confident in the offensive line. Like, I think they're going to be fine. They're going to perform really well. But I still have my question marks about Jedrick Wills. Yeah, I don't have I, question I agree. marks about Miles Garrett, Zedarius Smith, maybe like you consider age a question mark. Not really. And, you know, even if you want to go deeper down the line, you just went and drafted Isaiah McGuire. Like Isaiah Thomas is still there. Alex Wright. Like, Conquer is still there. Conquer, like, like, I, the, yeah. The depth is there. And, like, I think they're pretty confident in Alex Wright, too. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, there's a couple of, I've seen people in the media start to talk about him a little bit more, too, as well. There's at least four guys on this roster at the edge spot that I look at, and I'm like, I don't think they're going to be amazing. I don't say that about all four guys, but they're NFL production-level guys who are going to perform just fine. Whereas you look at the running back room, obviously a different position. I'm like, Nick Chubb's the best running back in the NFL in my mind. And Jerome Ford, I mean, you could put up a dartboard, and I could huck it from 50 feet deep, and where it lands could be the production you get out of him this year. I genuinely have zero idea. Yeah. So we both agree on edge on that one. And speaking of depth, this leads us into our next one because both of these rooms are really starting to struggle with depth. Do you have more confidence in the linebacker room or the wide receiver room? This one's so tough. 
I'm going to go with wide receivers. I, I think that's where I want to go, too. Just because you look at the linebackers, man, like – who are you really trusting in? And it, the reason I'm going to go there, right? You get Amari Cooper, which I think is a top tier guy that you don't even you have. solidified. Yes, it, yeah. it, that's pretty reasonable in that. And you don't even have a linebacker in that case that you look at and you're like, they're my Amari Cooper of the linebacker room. You really don't. Which is something I'll probably never say again. I mean, JOK, but at that point, not really. There's positional concerns. People don't think he's big enough to be a linebacker. I really like JOK. I think he's just fine. But yeah, me too. But at the same time, it's not. A solidified guy like Amari Cooper. Yeah, like Amari Cooper's a wide receiver one, which, by the way, oh my God, I have to bring this up before we go any farther. All Sports News, really popular sports account. It's been around on Instagram mostly for about as long as time exists. Put out their top 20 wide receivers. They left them off? Amari Cooper left off the list. That's ridiculous. Mike Williams was 19. Yeah, no. Like, that is absurd. Um, So I just want to make sure I got that off. But, like, it's got to be wide receiver. You have that. Elijah Moore's high promise. You still got good production out of DPJ last year. I think he's just fine. If you were looking at Marquise Goodwin before and the possibility of him still being there, he's a vet that brings a lot to this locker room. Even, you know, Jakeem Grant, the possibility of David Bell, not really that high production, but he's there. It's just more confident than guys I look at on the linebacker room. JOK, sure, that's probably your highest guy. Maybe Anthony Walker coming off an injury. Jacob Phillips. Coming off an injury. Sione Takitaki, off an injury. Tony Fields, might be off an injury? I don't even know, but I know I he know. played last year. And it, Tony Fields is not the guy I looked at, and I'm like, stud. He's, he's no, okay. I agree. He's I okay. think you hit it on the head. And this one, th- this next one, I don't know. This was kind of a weird one that we decided on. But would are you, are you more confident in the tight ends or the defensive backs? And honestly, you know what? I'm going to make a quick little change to it. Okay. Because I think it's pretty easy to say defensive backs in that one. I'm going to go with the cornerback room. Well, now I think it's easier. Really? I think the cornerback room. Okay, how about this then? Go safety. Yeah, see, now I'm like actually questioning it. All right, we'll say safety then. Do you have more confidence in the tight end room or the safety room? Because I think if you go cornerbacks, I'm more confident in the cornerbacks. I'm still – I still don't. We, who who I, in the cornerback room? Are, wait, oh, like this is a real conversation now. Because it's more of just in, in my in my opinion, I I still have concern. Like I don't know about Denzel Ward being the one anymore. That's I, I my think, thing. I think you've taken him now away of having to play an outside spot and be on the number one guy all the time. I think now you can move him around. He can play the slot more. Don't get me wrong. I think we have depth, but like I don't know. I I just depth. I mean, I still think Denzel's borderline top 10 corner in the league. No, I know. I'm just saying in general. Like, I, I don't know. I just... it's. I feel like it's sooner or later that's going to blow up. I think that's what's going to happen. So that's why I have a little bit more concerns, I guess. So I guess for now, yeah, it's pretty obvious. But in the future, I don't know what's going to happen. Greg Newsom had... No, like, I agree, Greg Newsom. But then, like, after that, it's kind of like... Like, he had a really good... Martin Emerson? MJ? Yeah. Like, but, I, I think Emerson was incredible last year. I don't know. I guess I got a little bit scared because there were rumors about, you know, Denzel Ward potentially being traded or Greg Newsom or just someone out of that cornerback room Eventually, being somebody's going to have to go. That's what I'm saying, I but guess. So Right now, I think it's fine. Okay, I, so, I think you have three really good corners. There. I agree. I agree. So, moving on to the actual question, tight ends or safeties, go. See, 
this is where I'm now going to probably pivot and go to tight ends. Because, I, like, it was clear cornerbacks to me because of the three solid that you have lined up in my eyes. You look at the safeties, man. Like, you want to trust, sure, Juan Thornhill. Although, I think Juan Thornhill, while I love the addition, I think he's a really good coverage safety. Like, Juan Thornhill's been on a really bad defense. Like, they were 18th ranked defense last year. I think both of them just suck. The tight end room and the safety room. The tight end room sucks? Hold on, hold on. Wait. Literally just David Njoku. David room. Njoku. Yes, room. I know we're I'm talking room. Room. How many tight ends are making this roster? Probably three. You say, is that fair? Yeah. Um, your other three are Aikens, who you added, who I think is a really good blocker, also not invisible in the past game. And Harrison Bryant's a guy we haven't talked about basically all offseason. I think as like a Cleveland city in whole, he had his struggles, and I don't think he's great. The dude's still a good pass catcher. I'm he, not. I, I'm not sold on him you just at smack all. Your mic I know. And spin I was it in a circle. Like, really? No, I'm not sold on him at you all. You don't have to be that I think upset, as a, dude. You don't like have to David spin N- the bike. Yeah, no shit. I think David Njoku as like just David Njoku top ten tight end, borderline. Mainly, mainly because I mean it's really hard to. Have a top ten tight end at this point, in my opinion. Is it? <laughs> it, it yeah, because I. Well, I'm saying I mean, like because a top you, three, I think is really hard to have. I think that. Well, I'm just saying in general, like the production that you get from a tight end doesn't come until basically later in their career. Yeah, a lot it, of the time. It's, it's, it's so it's a little tougher to really, you know, truthfully stay stick with and develop a tight end. So yeah, I I, I think it's 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 I would say maybe. There's, a, I, I'm just trying to think of guys right now that are could be a, a, like that would borderline be ahead of them and stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, the potential at least makes him top ten. I mean, you could easily name three, right? Like Kelsey, Kelsey Kittle, Kittle. Mark Andrews. Any order you want to put those guys in? Pitts, Pitts, Waller, um, Hawk. Who? Hawkinson. Oh yeah, Hawk. I thought you said Hawk. I was no, like, Hawk. A.J. Hawk was a linebacker. No, I He's said not Hawk. in the NFL anymore. Sorry. Um, I mean, like, I'm trying to think of names off the top of my head, too. It's borderline. That's uh, what I'm Evan saying. Evan Ingram like, is probably a guy who you put above him right now. Right. So we're at seven right now. So it's, it's a borderline top ten. I'll give him that. So either way, I don't know. I think for right now. Oh, I got the list up. Uh, Dallas Goddard's above him. Don't yeah. forget about that name. So eight. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, probably a guy I'd put above him. Nine. Um. They have Njoku 11th on this list behind Dawson Knox. I consider Njoku better than Dawson Knox. Yeah, so, so borderline. Like right we'll say 10. borderline. Yeah. So either way, though, you got a top 10 guy there. I I guess I'm going tight end, but it's by a very slim margin. Look at the safety room. Juan Thornhill. That's what Again, I'm saying. Like, it's overrated. A very slim, I just want to break I, it down. I don't think he's like, overrated. I think he's a – or maybe not overrated. Maybe that was the wrong word to use. That was. A, just, that was. Like, because I don't think he's that highly rated coming in anyway. But, like – I think both of them lapped. Blacked up, yeah. for sure. Oh, they 100% do. But, like, aside from Juan Thornhill, who are you trusting? Like, Grant Delpit did not look incredible. I was so disappointed in Delpit. You know we're four years into the Grant Delpit experiment this year? Yeah, I just saw it. Like, he's a guy who's he's played, what, like a season and a half? Those LSU guys did not age well in the secondary. No, because we were the Tigers up north, and that is not handling that well. We got the wrong spots. We, because uh, it was... Uh, Delpit, Del Jacob Phillips, Jacob Phil, and then still uh, here, obviously. Uh, who? Oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank on it 
Uh, Greedy uh, Williams, right? Yeah, Greedy Williams. No longer with the team. Yep. Uh, but again, like you looked at depth then, like Ronnie Hickman's probably the only guy notably on this. I mean, like who who else in the safety room are you really looking to? Like Rodney McLeod. Yeah, Cameron probably Callister. Probably Rodney McLeod. Like I, Bubba I, Bolden. Yeah, like Bubba Bolden, DeAnthony Bell. It's about it. Like does, I, I don't know if either of them even make the team. Tight end, then I'll I'll give you that. Like it's just really really shallow, and I think safety is a position too where you can't survive with just two. Right, you got to have more depth. It's it's rotational. So then the last one. Do you have more confidence in the offensive line or the defensive line? Yeah. Yes. What? what? <laughs> both of them. Dude, don't pull this bullshit again. Uh, no, I'll pick one, but I am really confident in both of these sets. No, I am too, but um, that's why that's why we made it harder. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with the offensive line. Because they're proven. Yeah. Uh, these yep. guys are – the only question mark I have on the entire offensive line right now is Jedrick Wills. I don't think you should have given Jedrick Wills an extension, but also this line's so good that you can afford to have one guy that's not that great because he's going to get covered up. It's just unfortunate that it's your left tackle. I also think Deshaun Watson's ability to move kind of shores this up too, right? Like, if it breaks down, who's going to save you? Deshaun Watson's going to spin out of the pocket and make something happen, so it's not that crucial anymore. Whereas if you have, like, a, a Kirk Cousins... If your left tackle sucks, Kirk Cousins is going to suck. Right. I, I don't think you have that. So, And they're one of the best run-blocking teams in the NFL. Like That group is so good at the run. They've gotten better at the pass. There's just not that much concern, where, as we talked about earlier, defensive tackle kind of skimpy right now, whereas I'm really shored up with my edges. I think, overall, the defensive line could be better than the offensive line Certainly in the a future. Certainly that's what I, I think, I think it's it is, but for year. now, I would say offensive line just because, again, it's proven. Yeah, I think the defensive line could be better this year than the offensive line. I agree. So that'll wrap up this episode of Mistake by the Take. Jake, you got anything fun before uh, Friday's episode? Um, While recording this on Tuesday, I'm going to the Gardos game later tonight. That's right, you are. I so forgot. That'll be fun. Uh, I watched Oppenheimer on Sunday. Uh, really good. I very much enjoyed Oppenheimer. Did you get a front row seat? No, I did not get a front row seat. Also, well, this is crazy, and you can play the music behind this if you really want to, because this will be my closing thought. Um, the Oppenheimer was in the 70 millimeter. That's how uh, Christopher Nolan wanted you to watch it. There's like 19 of those, or 17 of those, or something that exists in the United States. And the closest one to us is like Detroit. It's like true IMAX. The other ones are digital. All right. Uh... Great movie. Highly recommend if you like history. Anywho, catch you all in the next episode. Plug in the socials really quick. Get it over with. Uh, mistake go. by the take on Instagram, MBTTPod on Twitter. I'm Volnick2 on Twitter, at Jake Volnick on Instagram. Dylan, you're DY Belt on both of them because you have things together. Deuces! See ya!